Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. It's our prayer that this message is an inspiration to you, that it builds you up, that it stirs your faith right now in your today, as well as in the days to come. We believe that God has great things for you. God bless you. How was you guys Thanksgiving? Yeah, so, so good and so different, right? Some of you maybe had a very normal, like your Thanksgiving looked exactly the same. Almost everyone I talked to had something different going on with their Thanksgiving. I talked to people last week who were staying home, just them and like their, uh, you know, their household doing Thanksgiving. And normally they would be traveling all around the country doing different things. I talked to people who were doing like Zoom call Thanksgivings. They were like setting up so they could still cook together, but not, you know, actually be together. I heard people whose plans were changing last minute because they thought they were going to do one thing and then something happened and they had to adjust those plans. Our Thanksgiving, like most of yours, looked a little bit different this year. For the last several years, Phil and I have gone and participated in the turkey chase downtown Toledo. We go and we get our kids in strollers and we go and we run early Thanksgiving morning with all the other crazy people in town. And if you think that it's just us, you might be surprised to know there are normally thousands of us crazy people getting up early on Thanksgiving morning down in the cold to go run a 5K that morning. So we were all signed up and ready to go. They'd made some kind of extra adjustments and start times and stuff. And then about a week before, as you know, numbers and precautions kept rising, they said... Even with our adjustments, we don't think it's enough. So they made it a digital 5K. Yeah. <laughs> Dad said he can participate in a digital 5K. <laughs> but what we did instead is we got up and we went to one of the metro parks and we did our 5K there out at a metro park without lots of other people. But the win was that Theo was able to take his bike and ride his bike while we ran. So that was kind of our adjustment. Then we went home and we made a great big Thanksgiving breakfast for our Thanksgiving. And then we ended up doing Thanksgiving dinner on Friday, which was very, I don't think I've ever done Thanksgiving not on Thanksgiving Thursday, which I know a lot of people do, but it just has always, we've always been able to do on the day. So like everyone, we were adjusting and, and moving, and I kept thinking, gosh, we are all the way here in November, and we are still finding new ways to adjust and to move and, and finding, you know, I was grateful that it was Thanksgiving because it let me not complain about all of the things that were being adjusted, but be grateful for what we still had in the midst of it. And I know as we're walking through the holidays and we're making different adjustments, there's going to be lots of times I think that we need to refer back to this month and say, okay, God, what's the real metric that we're measuring our life by right now? What are the real things that you've called us to? Not the, the things that we have always set maybe our stability on, not the things that we've always measured what a holiday should look like by, not all of these other things. What is the metric that you are calling us to? As we walk through Thanksgiving, remembering we're grateful for so much. And if my dinner looked different, or if my setup looked different, or if my table looked different, I'm grateful, God, that you have walked with me this year. I'm grateful for all of the things that you have given me. It's not about my table setting. It's about the fact that you have kept me, the fact that you have been here with me, the fact that your presence is with me. As we walk into Christmas, 
we're going to do the same thing, going, you know what, this might look different than I thought it looked, but it's not about all of those other things. It's about the God who came. And we're going to keep our, our metric, our measurement, you know, we're going to keep the things that matter, the things that matter, and not allow ourselves to be drawn down into all of the different distractions that could get us off as we keep tweaking and adjusting and resetting throughout this year. We are in our final week of our I Need a New Metric series. We've been going through a few weeks here, a few different uh, messages on learning how to say, God, what is it that you're really calling us to? And if you remember, I was sharing with you that uh, this series started coming to me as I was talking to different people and listening to different things and hearing people talk about getting to the end of the year and can't we wait to be done with 2020 so we can be into 2021 and then we can be on with it. And realizing, I don't know that we're going to hit January 1st and just reset everything into a whole new setup. Potentially, we need to adjust what it is that we are measuring our lives by. Potentially, we need to reset the metrics that we put in front of us to say that we are doing successful or that we are achieving something or that we feel like we've made our marks. And we need to align our life with what God has called us to align our lives to, to what God is speaking to us in the here and the now in the right here moment. And we talked about how no matter what is in our hand, we don't have the ability to prove our worth before God, that he did it all for us on the cross, that he came and he saved us and he redeemed us through his perfect life, but that there is nothing that we could do to achieve that and to gain that on our own. And we talked about what it means to be blessed in the kingdom of God, that it's not all of our external things, but that Jesus lays out for us what it is to be blessed, what it is to be successful in the kingdom of God. And last week we talked about what do we do when we feel like we are in a season of delay? What do we do when we feel like God keeps setting another timer in our life, keeps pushing us back for one more round, keeps trying to stretch us and grow us because he's trying to find out if we can be mature, strong believers. He's trying to shape his church into what he needs us to be for the community, for the culture, for the society he asked us to reach today. We keep pressing in. And as we finish out today, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew 25. We're going to look at a portion of scripture in Matthew 25. And why don't you just say or type or whoever's around you, just say it out loud for yourself. Say, I'm going for a well done. Matthew 25, we'll start in verse 19. We're going to jump here into the middle of a parable of one of Jesus' stories that he's telling. And he says, <clears throat> it says, Now after a long time, the master of those servants came, and they settled the accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, and saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here, and I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little, and I will set you over much. Now enter into the joy of your master. Come on, say it one more time. I'm going for well done. 
I don't know about you, but when I get to my next spot, when I get to the end of a season, when I get to the end of my race, when I get to the end of my time here on earth, whatever all of the measurements and the markers that we have along this space are, the words that I want to hear said back to me are, well done. Well done with what you've been given. Well done in this season. Well done in this space. Well done, well done, good and faithful servant. But I'm not looking for a well done from you. I'm not looking for a well done from my friends. I'm not even looking for a well done from myself because myself can be pretty fickle. Myself can be pretty back and forth. Myself has a tendency to measure myself by all kinds of things that are not the things that God is measuring me by. I'm going for a well done from the master. I'm going for a well done from Jesus. I'm going for a well done at the hand of God that says, you know what, if you don't understand the metric that I'm living my life by, that's fine. If you don't understand all of the decisions that I make along the way, that's okay with me. I hope that you enjoy the process. I hope that you're pleased with me. I hope that we can be in good relationship, but the well done that I'm after is a well done from the master. And so I have to align my life with a metric that he is looking for. I have to align my life with the the measurement that he is seeking. And when I look through this parable, the thing that God is seeking for us is fruitfulness. The thing that God is seeking from us is growth and is multiplication. He's looking to say, what have you done with what I left you with? The idea to be fruitful and to multiply is one of the first commandments. It's all the way back in Genesis 1 and 29. He says to Adam and Eve, look at all that I have given you. Now be fruitful and multiply it. And all throughout scripture, we see God saying, have you been fruitful? Have you grown it? Or have you just settled with what I have, with what you have? Have you just held on to it? And we've jumped here in the middle of this parable that Jesus is telling to the disciples where he's trying to give them a picture that in the kingdom, I'm looking for fruitfulness. In the kingdom, what gets you a well done is your fruitfulness, is the way that you multiply what I've brought you to. The way that faithfulness is understood is how you have been fruitful with what God has given you. If you want a well done, good, and faithful, there has to be fruitfulness with what was given in your hands. So maybe you've never heard this story before. This is a story, Jesus used to tell stories to his people to try and get them to get a picture of what this new kingdom that he was bringing was like. He brought them into a new kingdom and said, I have a whole new set of metrics for you and I wanna give you a picture for what it's like. And he tells them them this story about a very wealthy master and the master has three different servants and he gives each of them three different portions of money to look after while he's going on a trip. He gives one five talents. He gives one two talents and he gives one one talent. A talent is a measurement of money. And then he goes away for a long time and then he comes back. And when he comes back, he says to them, what have you done with what I left you with? And the one we just stepped into is the, the 
first servant who got the five talents, he comes back to him and he says, you gave me five and I took that five. And if you read through the story, it says he took it and he began to trade it in the market and he took his five and he made it into five more. And the one who had two talents did similarly. He took his two talents and he doubled it and he made two more. And when he brings it to the, to the master, he gets the same response. It says, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's more for you now to look after. And you also get to share in your master's joy. And then the last one who had one talent, he brings it back and he has buried his talent to keep it safe. He says that I buried my talent to keep it safe and now I've brought back to you exactly what you gave me. And the master is angry with him and he says you have done evil because you didn't do anything. You could have at least taken it to a bank where it would have gained interest instead of burying it and hiding it. And he takes what he had given to the one and he gives it to the one who had gained even more from it because he says increase is yours when you prove that you are able Able to be faithful and fruitful with what you have multiplied. God is looking for a metric of multiplication in your life. And I think that each of these three servants give us some really specific things that we can learn and that we can take away from what they did and how they responded to a master who gave them a portion of money. The third servant, right, he's the one who gets one talent. He brings him in and he says, I'm getting ready to go off on a far journey and I want you to take care of one talent for me. Now one talent, it's tough to say with all of the time and inflation, but it's probably equivalent to somewhere around a million dollars today. Most Bible scholars say that it would have been equivalent to 20 years worth of wages for an average laborer at the time. It is a lot of money, right? Suffice to say, it's not like he gave him 50 bucks and said, hey, can you watch this for me while I come in and while I'm gone for a little bit? He gives him what might be equivalent to about a million dollars to look after. And this man is a servant in his master's house. I want you to lean into what's really happening here in this story, what Jesus is really trying to explain to them. He gives him more money in one moment to look after than this man could have ever dreamed to see or be responsible for in his entire life. And he says, now look after it. Sometimes we become familiar with scripture and it's easy for us to read over it and we dismiss him as the foolish servant who just went and hid it and didn't lose any of it and how could he possibly not see the opportunity and the moment that he had? But I want you to think about if someone came to you today and said, here's a million dollars, can you look after this for me? The weight of responsibility that you would feel the weight of that moment that you would feel, that he has never imagined the potential to see this much money and all of a sudden he has become responsible for it. And so it says that he takes that and he feels the weight of that and he takes that money and he buries it. It's not the right response. 
He decides to live in a moment of safety instead of seizing the opportunity that's in front of him. Instead of seeing the moment and the opportunity that his master had given him in giving him a gift, in giving him this talent, in saying this is a moment for me to stand up. This is a moment for me to do something with what's in my hands. Instead, he allows himself to be overcome by intimidation. He allows himself to be overcome by fear. He allows himself to retreat into a place of safety and say, let me just bury this thing where at least I know nothing bad can happen to it. At least I know it won't be harmed. At least I know it won't be lost. At least I know if I dig my hole and I cover it with dirt and I sit on top of it, then nothing negative will ever happen to it. And we read the story with reflection and we think, how foolish of him. But I wonder what kind of a talent you're sitting on today. That you're afraid it might get out and you might not be able to fully accomplish what you want with it. I wonder what kind of a talent you've taken and instead of really investing into growing into it, instead of really letting somebody know, hey, I actually could do something with this. I actually really know how to sing. I actually really know how to play an instrument. I actually really have a great eye for photos. I'm actually really great with kids and I actually have something that I could do with it. Instead, you say, I know that God's given me this talent, but I'm a little bit intimidated by what all it might mean. I'm a little bit nervous by what might happen if I really stepped out with it and I don't want it to get broken and I don't want it to get hurt and I don't want it to get lost so instead I'm going to retreat and I'm going to take my talent and I'm going to hide it in my house by myself so that no one but my shower knows how well I can sing so that no one but my family knows exactly how good it is that I can cook I'm just going to hide it and bury it but God has not called you to a life of safety he has called you to a life of multiplication he gave you that talent for a purpose gave you that talent for a reason he gave you that talent to see what it is you are going to do with it when you bring it back to him is it going to look exactly like the seed form that he handed it to you in or is it going to look like growth is it going to look like something new is it going to look like something new and fresh and bigger and bolder that helped and affected and reached other people that he can say to you well done on how you have handled Handled what I put into your hands or are you going to spend your life burying it the next thing that the third servant does is he comes up with a lot of excuses about why he wasn't able to do and why he couldn't do what he did now some of us are excellent at making excuses there are lots of great reasons for why you have not been able to do what God has put it with what God has put in your hand. Lots of great reasons for why you haven't reached out for what God has put in your hands. Lots of great reasons for why you haven't been able to expand and multiply the gift and the talent and the thing that he put on the inside of you. And if you weren't good at it before, 2020 has given you a whole new bucket load of reasons of why you weren't able able to do. Trust me, I know I have used a lot of them. My favorite excuse to go to really is my kids. When you have three little kids, people don't question it when you say, I can't. I would love to, but I have three little kids. And they go, oh, okay, great. And then I'm like, great. 
slid right out of that one. No one's gonna question me on it again. Or you can say, you know, uh, we've been quarantined. COVID is like everybody's fallback, right? Have you noticed this? You've been trying to order things online and they're like, it may not make it there in time, you know, COVID right? You go to a restaurant and they're like, our service is really slow today. You know, COVID, that's why. You try and go to a store and they're like, oh, we're down on, and I'm not, I don't want to, now I can feel it. I can hear you. I'm not making light. Pandemic is a real and serious thing and is causing legitimate impact. It's also everybody's favorite excuse by this point in the year to fall back on why we're not able to quite make it to something because we have this litany of excuses and of reasons why the thing in our hand, why we just aren't really actually going to be able to do that this year. And when the master comes back to the third servant, he is ready with his list of excuses. It reminds me of last week when we talked about Saul and when Samuel came to Saul, Saul was ready with all of his reasons and excuses and reasons why he wasn't able to stay in the place of obedience and extend his timer again. In the same way, this third servant comes up and he is ready with his list of excuses. And not only does he have a a list of excuses. He has a list of excuses that are accusatory. They send the reason why he wasn't able to back onto the master because you are a hard man, because I know the way that you have handled others, because I see the way that you have done this and the way that you have done that. And he keeps propelling. He's like, you remember like I'm rubber, you're glue? He's like, none of this is possibly sticking on me. He's just bouncing back every single possible reason why he could have done something with what God placed in his hand. He's not gonna hold on to any of that. He is sending his excuses back. And when you send excuses back, instead of taking responsibility, you lose the opportunity to grow inside that moment. You lose the opportunity to actually say, God, you have given me something. And the thing that you have given me is worth something. And you obviously saw something in me if you were willing to trust me with this thing. So I want to take it and I want to grow with it. I want to develop in it. I want to see in myself what you see in me. I wonder what the master saw in the servant that caused him to say, I'm going to trust him with one talent. I'm going to give him this opportunity. I'm going to let him try. I want to hold, I want to put this in his hand and see what he'll do with it. There is something that he saw in him that the servant didn't see in himself. There is something that God sees in you that you don't see in yourself yet. And maybe instead of making out a list of excuses and a list of reasons why you're not going to make it and a list of reasons why the year has been too challenging for you and a list of reasons why your family situation isn't what you thought it was going to be and a list of reasons why your school situation isn't what you thought it was going to be and these are all the reasons that I haven't shown up this year and all the reasons that I haven't multiplied what you put in my hand maybe instead you should take a moment of prayer and say God show me what you see in me show me why it is you trusted me with this show me what it is you think that I can do to multiply the thing that you have placed in my hand and let me see it the way that you see it, God, because I don't want to measure myself by my own thoughts. I don't want to measure myself by external things. I want to measure myself by the picture that heaven has of me. 
I want to measure myself by what it is that you see, by what you've placed in me, because you knew me, God, before I was ever formed. You knew me before I was a thought in my parents' minds and hearts and bodies, God. You knew what you had on the inside of me. And so, God, show me that person. Show me that skill set. Show me that vision. Show me that tenacity. Show me that grit. Show me who I am, God, when I am fully awake in your presence, when I am fully leaned into getting off of this because God I want your people to see themselves as you have made them I want them to see themselves God as you see them fully formed fully made fully standing up fully in his presence you have been made into a new creation the old has gone and the new has come and he has made you able for this moment he knew that 2020 was in your timeline when he sent you in to time and in to space. He was not surprised by the challenges you are facing. He knew that you were able. He knew that you were resilient. He knew that you would still stand. He knew that you would make it. He knew that you would plant your business anyway. He knew that you would make your family work anyway. He knew that you would keep showing up in the midst of it. He knew that you would keep praying in the midst of it. He knew that you were able. He saw something in the servant that the servant didn't see in himself. Don't get lost in your excuses. See what God sees in you. Because as the servant made up these excuses, he created a picture about his master. And his belief about who his master was directly impacted what he did with the gift that he put in his hand. He believed that he was angry. He believed that he was harsh. He believed that he was an overstretching master. And because of that, he allowed himself to be found in fear. But the thing is, it's not what the other two saw about the master. His picture of his master must not have been clear because the other two did not say, I'm afraid of him because he's harsh and he's angry. They took what they had. Let's look at what it says. It says that the first servant was given five talents. He was given five times more what the third servant was given. He was given five times more the weight five times more the responsibility. He was given multi-millions of dollars to be responsible for in his master's absence. So shouldn't he have been five times more fearful, five times more afraid, five times more immobilized, able to come up with five times longer lists of excuses of why I can't do anything because for me to lose this gift that he has given me must be five times more tragic. But the scripture is clear that when the master distributed the talents, he distributed them based on their capacity, based on what he thought they were able to do with them. So instead of being immobilized by fear, even though the thing that he was given was greater, even though the thing that he was given was heavier and was weightier, instead of being immobilized, it says that he went at once, immediately, He went, he did not delay, he went at once and started putting his talent to work. He didn't let intimidation slow him down. 
He didn't let fear make him immobilized. He didn't stop and say, I can't believe he would give me this. I wonder what it is he's done. I wonder if there's any reason. He didn't get lost in his own thoughts or in his own fears. He moved immediately. And he started putting to work the thing that God had put in his hand. And he started figuring out, how can I grow this? How can I make more of this? How can I do with more with what God has given me? How can I be fruitful and start expanding and multiplying the thing that has been put in our hand? I want to encourage you with whatever God has put into your hand to start going, to start moving, to stop delaying. My son Theo is the king of the delay. He is almost five years old, and he can stall and drag out more than any human I have ever met in my life. He loves to explain something in great detail. So he'll tell you if you're like, okay, it's time to go to bed, buddy. Okay, let me tell you a story with 8,000 details about what happened today on my way to bed. And oh, I just remembered that I need to put my shoes away. Oh, and I need one more drink of water. And can you tuck me in my extra special way? Oh, now that I'm tucked in, I remember that I need to give you a hug, which means I need to get untucked so that you can then again re-tuck me into my bed. He can delay and delay and delay. He is the master of the delay. And so I find myself saying to him a phrase I often heard myself growing up, which is delayed obedience is disobedience. Obey right away. When the master puts something in your hands, when God gives you something to work with, stop stalling. Stop waiting. Start moving, get to work on that thing. And I know, gosh, I wish that I could preach this to you out of more genuine, authentic conviction of my action, but this is a place that I struggle. I want to wait for the perfect moment. I want it to be the perfect atmosphere. I want it to be the perfect climate. I want to have the perfect plan together on the perfect day with the perfect sunlight and a perfect hair day so that I can possibly get out. But it is 2020, and the salons have been shut down, and no perfect hair day is coming, and the perfect scenario is not available to you. So just get going. Stop delaying and start working on the thing that is in your hand with whatever is in your hand. Get going. I know you've never seen it before. And I know it doesn't look like you thought it was going to look. I know that when you charted out that business plan, we were not going to be in stay at home. And they were not going to be telling people to linger at home and to create distance from each other. But if it's what is in your hand, then start working on it. Keep going. Multiply that idea. Multiply that vision. Multiply that family. Increase what God has given to you to do. He started working on it at once. And then what he did with it is it says he took it and he started investing it in their local market. He started trading with other people. He took his talent and he got it around some other talent. 
and he allowed his talent and that other talent to start interacting together. And he found out when the talent that God had given him got around the talent that some other people had, that they were able to exchange and that there was growth and there was multiplication in that place. The third servant's talent wasn't able to do anything and wasn't able to multiply because it was buried by itself, hidden from everyone else. The thing that God has given you was not designed to work in isolation. It was not designed to work all by itself. The thing that God has given you was designed to start multiplying when it starts bumping up against some other talent, when it starts rubbing up against some other talent, when it starts getting involved with some other talent. When you bring your talent into the context of community, that's where it can start working. That's where it can start multiplying. When you bring your song up in space and someone else says, I have an instrument that can create music for underneath that song. That's where it can start moving. You have to bring your talent into a place where it can interact with other talents. All by itself, he would have ended up just like the third servant without any multiplication. But because he took his talent into a place where it was able to interact with other talents, he was able to multiply that talent. And when the master came back, he found him and he said, you've taken what I gave you and you multiplied it. You doubled the five that I put in your hand and you made it 10 more. Well done. Come on, say one more time. I'm going for a well done. He said, you have been a good and a faithful servant. Because you have been good and faithful with what I have given you, you have been able to multiply it. You have been fruitful with it. He is going after and looking after fruitfulness in our lives. And when you get to the end, I want you to also be able to say, I have been fruitful. I have been faithful with what God has given me. I want you to come back and say, look, God, at the talent that you left me with. The metric for your life is not how much it is. It's what you've done with what he gave you. Have you been faithful with it? Have you multiplied it? Have you expanded it? Because when you have multiplied it and when you have expanded it, when you have been faithful with what God has given you, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then he increases it. Your reward for multiplying what he gave you in the last season is that he gives you an increased responsibility in the next season and says, I wanna see, can you do it again? Your reward for how you've handled this year, for how you've reset your metric, for how you've readjusted your life is a well done and greater increase and greater responsibility because he has found you faithful. And then it says, come and share in your master's joy. God wants you to be able to come into a place where you share in the joy that he has. The joy that he has in seeing you grow. The joy that he has in seeing his church and his family grow and increase and multiply. I'll tell you a good story on Theo now since I made fun of his delaying capabilities earlier, which is that Theo loves to help cook. 
He loves to get in the kitchen. He is chief stirrer in our house. Anytime something needs mixed up, he is the mixer of the bowl. And let me tell you, on days when he has helped make dinner, he is so excited to welcome everyone else around that table to tell his dad how we added salt on this one and I mixed up this and I added the pieces here and do you see how we have green beans and we have carrots together, daddy? I helped put them all in the pot for mommy because now he can share in the joy of what's happening. God wants you to share in his joy. You don't get to share in the joy when you bury your treasure. You share in the joy when you multiply what he's brought for you. So as we start leaning towards the end of the year, I want you to think about sharing in his joy, being found faithful in what you do. But there's one more servant, actually. We skipped over the second one there in the middle who got two talents. And isn't that the way you felt kind of a lot of this year? like you've been jumped over, like you've been forgotten about there in the middle. There's a lot of lines and text devoted to the servant who got five talents, and there's a lot of lines and text devoted to the servant who buried his treasure. And the one in the middle, he just gets kind of a couple lines. It's almost jumped over. He gets two talents, and then he multiplied his two talents, and he also gets a well done. And I don't know about you, but there've been a lot of moments in my year where I've felt skipped over, where I felt like, God, what are you doing in the midst of this? And I have to wonder if the second servant didn't feel lost in the middle as well. If he didn't feel looked over, if he didn't feel jumped over, I wonder if he thought that he should have gotten five as well. Because when it says that the master gave them what each of them Uh, each of them got what the master gave them because of how they'd proven themselves. And when I look at it and I think about it, I think of the first servant as kind of like that kid who you wanna give him a go and see how he's gonna do. You know, maybe if you're in hiring, he's the one where you go, ah, I think he's got a lot of potential. I'm not sure, but I wanna, I wanna give him a try with this and see what he's gonna do with it. And I imagine the master looking at the first one going, he's never really proven himself, but I see his potential. So I just wanna give him a go and see what he's gonna do if I give him one talent. And I think of the five talent guy as the person who shows up and they've proven themselves. They've had opportunities before and, and they've shown up and they've produced before, and you know he's not giving him a multi-million dollar opportunity to just find out what he's gonna do with this. He knows this guy knows what to do when I leave something in his hand. And then you've got number two who's just there in the middle, who's probably proven himself a little bit in the past, but not quite as much. And I wonder if he felt like he'd proven himself enough that he deserved five talents as well. I wonder if he was thinking about and hearing that his master was getting ready to go off on a trip and knowing his habits enough to know that he distributes things here and there and wondering if he was gonna give him five talents as well. He heard that the other servant had gotten five and wondering if he was gonna get five. And I think about coming into this year 
and the way we felt in January, thinking this is going to be a year, a turn of a decade with such expectation and with such opportunity and all of the things and all of the dreams and all of the plans. And all of a sudden you're looking at your year and you're looking at your hand going, this isn't the five talents I thought I was getting this year. There's only two here. And I had some ideas for five talents, but now two feels like a lot less than what I thought I was gonna get this year. And I wonder if he had to deal with the disappointment and I wonder if he had to deal with the comparison and the way that this year you've had to walk through some moments where you say, God, this doesn't feel like what I thought that it was gonna feel like. Graduating high school didn't feel how I thought it was gonna feel this year, God. Starting college didn't feel like I thought it was gonna feel, God. I feel like I've missed out on a lot of the moments that you told me you were gonna walk me through. Getting married in the midst of 2020 didn't have all of the pieces with it that I had imagined and I had dreamed of, God, this five talents doesn't feel like five talents. It's only looking like two in my hand right now. And he processed that disappointment. I imagine. And he processed the comparison of looking and saying, how come he still gets to hold on to five when I just have two? How come they didn't lose their job, God, when you know that I showed up to mine anyway? How come they still get to go to work when my family feels like they're suffering? How come they still get to see their family when our family has to be separated because of health issues? And he had to process through the same kind of comparison that you've been processing through. The same kind of comparison that you've had to deal with as we've spent more and more time connected to our screens, getting his mind focused and getting his mind right. But you know what he did anyway? He doubled it anyway despite what maybe he thought he should have gotten, despite the disappointment that was in his heart, despite the comparison that he had to walk through and had to fight himself through, at the end of the day, he looked at his hand and he said, if two talents is what I've been given, if two talents is what's in my hand, if two talents is what 2020 has served up for me this year, then I am still going to be found faithful with what is in my hand. And he doubled it anyway. And he took his two talents and he put them to work and he took his two talents and he got them in the market and he took his two talents and he started working what God gave him and he got over every feeling of loss and every feeling of disappointment and he set aside every excuse that might have hindered him and he set aside every fear that might have caused him to shrink back and he said if this is my portion if this is what has been given to me I'm not gonna fight what could have been I'm not gonna fight what maybe should have been. I'm not going to fight what I wish would have been. I am going to look with acceptance and say, God, whatever you have given me, whatever you have served up, I'm going to take that thing and I'm going to serve it back to you in double. I will be found faithful in my marriage. I will be found faithful in my business. I will be found faithful in my family. I will be found faithful in my schoolwork. I will be found faithful in my neighborhood. Every place that you have given me, God, every talent that you have served up to me, God, I am going to bring it back to you in double. Whatever you're holding in your hand, I want to declare over you, double it anyway. 
do not exit this year with a buried talent. Do not exit this year making excuses for what could have been. Double it anyway and be found good and faithful with what he has given you. And you will share in the master's joy because you have been found faithful. You are going to double it anyway this year. God, I thank you for this people. I thank you for every skill, every talent, every portion you have poured out to us. And I ask you to help us see ourselves as you see us. And God, give us a fresh passion, a fresh resilience, a fresh tenacity to go after this thing. And let us be found fruitful. Let us multiply what you've placed in our hands, God. Let us bring it back to you with even more and help us to share in your joy. You're so good, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, as you come to the end of your year, I want you to keep a picture in mind. Phil and I do a a bit of running from time to time. And I found when you run races, there are kind of two ways that people like to end their race. You kind of get to the end of that finish line and you have people who kind of like to slow down and they're real cool and they just coast across the finish line because they know like, I made it, right? I'm the other way. I'm not very fast, but when I get to my finish line, that final kind of stretch, I like to press and run through. And sometimes I like to even like jump through to remind myself as I cross that finish line that there's still strength in me, that there's still power in me. As we look towards this finish line this year, I don't want you to lean back into coast. I want you to double what God has put in your hand. Let's get running for the end of this finish line because we are going out strong. Amen, church? Amen. Listen, you're going to have a great week this week. I wanna invite you to come back here next week. We are jumping into our Christmas celebrations next week, and we are celebrating all month long being joyful and triumphant. It's our thought, it's our thing that we're gonna keep in our mind as we lean into Christmas. And I wanna encourage you to be part of it in whatever way you can. Um, It really came to me as I was praying for Christmas this year that there have been so many times throughout this year that we have not felt joyful and triumphant. But the people of God are called to be salt and light in the earth. And so in the midst of hard times, we are gonna celebrate the joy and the triumph that comes to us through Christ Jesus. So I wanna invite you to be part of it again next week. I wanna invite you to jump in and be part of our 10 days of prayer throughout the next kind of 10 days here. We love you, church, and you are gonna have an awesome, incredible week. We'll see you real soon. 
We're believing that that word will bring strength and hope into your life. Absolutely. If God just spoke to you through this message and you're stirred right now to partner with us and to sow financially into the ministry that is Cornerstone Church, I want to encourage you to jump on over to our website, which is simply cornerstone.church and click the Give button. Find the avenue that is most convenient for you today. That's right. We are going to continue spreading the message of the gospel, and we look forward to continuing to connect together.